Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else, however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning. That was the official video from the song Everybody Hurts by the 90s alternative band R.E.M. How many of you are R.E.M. fans? It appeared on their 1992 album, Automatic for the People, and it was released as a single in 1993, and it peaked at 21 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, and it peaked in the top 10 on charts in Canada, Australia, the UK, Ireland, and France. Now, you might find this interesting. That scene, that location, was it was filmed at the, the I-10, or on I-10, just northwest of, of San Antonio, before the interchange at I-35. If you've ever been through there, it's a double-decker, kind of like in Austin, you know, and you can, you, can, you can go upstairs, you can go downstairs, whichever way. Now, if you can imagine being stuck in traffic, if you live here in Brenham, hopefully you don't have to go into Houston a whole lot or maybe into Austin, so you don't have to deal with traffic as much. But it seems that all of the equalizers that we have in, in, our, in our society, sickness, sickness, death, and traffic jams are kind of the equalizers for all of us. Would you agree? Doesn't matter who you are, if you get stuck in traffic, you're stuck in traffic. You know, if you get sick, you're sick. And death, you know, death comes to us all. Well, if you noticed in the video, there were thoughts being written out on the screen. What these people were thinking, what they were, what they were dealing with while stuck in traffic. The truth is, there are things that are going on in people's lives right around us all the time that we know nothing about. Have you ever been driving down the highway and just thought, I wonder what that person's dealing with or maybe what's going on in that person's life? Because we see a lot of people in the course of our day, don't we? Usually we're, we're pretty well preoccupied with what's going on in, in, in our car or in our life. And we, we don't really think about what's going on around us. Earlier this week, I was, I was asked to participate in a, in a funeral for a, a 21-year-old lady who died of a drug overdose. And I already had plans, and so I, I, I wasn't able to, to participate in that funeral. But I was, I was talking to, to the person who was, ended up being the, 
the officiating party, and he was just telling me of the anger and the frustration that was that was the being experienced by the girl's mom. The girl left behind a four-year-old and a and a, a young baby, and she had already lost another child to a drug overdose, and just things happen around us that we have no idea what's going on. The fiction writer Brad Metzler famously said, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind. Always. Now I'm continuing our series, Happy Homes. And by happy we mean blessed. And so far I've talked about happy homes being built on a foundation of faith and enclosed in a framework of forgiveness. If we built ourselves a sound structural place to live, then we need to finish it, that structure out in order to make it livable. Several years ago, my, my mom and dad were going to come live with us in Conroe. And we bought our house with a, a building in the back. It was about 450 square feet. And it was really neat how it looked from the outside. You know, it had the, 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 the paint, the siding, everything matched from, from our house to that building. But on the outside, it, it, it matched. On the inside, it was, it was rough. It was a workshop. And whenever we started talking to my, my parents about that, I think they were a little freaked out. It's like, we would like for you to come live with us, and this is where you're going to live. Well, if you'd have seen it in its, in its former glory, it, nobody would want to live in that thing. It didn't even have a bathroom in it. And so it took some time to prepare it for them to be able to move in with us. And we went through the whole process of installing the, the, the bathroom and in, installing the stuff for the, for the sink and, and the, the stuff for the washing machine and, and the cabinets. And then we had to go through the process of painting everything. And of course, that sometimes brings dust with it, you know. But finally, we got to the place where it was finished out and it like, I, I think I can live here. And I remember whenever we, we brought my folks and, and when we moved them in and, and they, they spent their first night, it's like, oh, man, this isn't so bad. It wasn't home, but it, it, it became home after a while. Well, in a similar, in, in a similar way, fin finishing out a house or finishing out a room will improve a person's quality of life. Developing a lifestyle of kindness will enhance our lives as families and as individuals. So today I want to talk about what we've been learning to be kind with each other and the process of finishing out this place where we live together. I think we all want to experience God's blessing over our lives and, and so, so this is just another step in, in experiencing God's blessing. And so I'm going to be talking about committing committed, being committed to a lifestyle of kindness. I'm having a hard time with my mouth this morning. 
Well, I don't want to, as I get started, I don't want to bust anybody's bubble, but I think we would agree that kindness does not necessarily come easy for most of us. Would you agree? Now, I'm going to switch the metaphor just a little bit here to kind of go with the intro with the traffic jam. I think a few of you might know of the band Rascal Flats. Well, they have a song that's, that goes, Life is a Highway, I Want to Ride on It All Night Long. Well, a lot of times our lives look like a jammed freeway. There's too much traffic and we can't go where we want to go. We can't pass. We can't do what we want to do. And so we have to adjust to the driving conditions. Right? I said last week that there are always complications and our good intentions only take us so far in terms of pleasing God. Our sinful human nature is always there to trip us up. And even on our best days, sometimes our lives end up looking like a 12-car pileup. Now I want you to listen to our text this morning, and I'm going to read it out of, out of the message. It's in Galatians chapter 5. And just listen to what, what Paul says. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional baggage. Frenzied and joyous grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on. When I first read this this week that part where it says the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. That kind of sounds like life on a Houston freeway in, in traffic, doesn't it? Or maybe if you've been stuck on the 290 bypass whenever they were doing some construction. All of these things are what Paul describes as lying at the end of pursuing what our selfish, sinful nature wants. But if our goal is, is to experience the blessing of God in our lives, to live a happy and blessed life, we won't find that by giving into what our sinful nature craves. And so I'm, I'm going to continue reading in, in Galatians chapter 5. Picking up in verse 22, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much in the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Like things, things like affection for others, exuberant about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. 
a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our own way in life, but able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Now, who wouldn't want that in their life? To live a life that is, is self-controlled. To live a life that it, where we're gentle and, and kind with one another. That we show love to each other. Numerous studies have demonstrated that just being kind alters our body chemistry. It improves a person's mood, lowers blood pressure, and increases positive thinking. And listen to this. A single act of kindness boosts the serotonin, you know, that's the the natural antidepressant that you have in your head, in, it boosts the serotonin in the giver, in the receiver, and anyone who witnesses what they've done. Now, kindness as it's defined in Scripture is a pervasive spirit of gentleness, servanthood, a sense of compassion that is expressed through one's interactions with others. And being kind to others makes people happier and opens up opportunities for new relationships and can also prolong our lives. Kindness is that powerful. So, happy homes, blessed homes, recognize that a lifestyle of kindness is really a reflection of transformation. If Jesus is working in our lives, if the Holy Spirit is directing our lives, then we act more like Him. The Apostle Peter said, In His kindness, God called you to share in His, glory, His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore support and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. Kindness is a reflection of God's glory that we share with people in a practical way. Now a lot of us, we, we tend to, we're, we're kind of in our own little bubble, you know. And so we, we might not think of things like maybe holding the door for somebody or just saying hello or greeting somebody or just smiling but all those things show a little bit of who God is in a pretty practical way. And Peter, the, the apostle, he also brings up an important point in regard to kindness and that it's that God wants to share His glory and authority with us. He always has. And this goes all the way back to creation. God made His plans and intentions crystal clear that He wanted His handiwork to be expressed in us. In the book of Genesis, we're going to take it all the way back there. 
Verse 26, Then God said, Let's make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and the wild animals on earth and the small animals that scurry on the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Do you realize that we were created to rule over the world that God had made? But our original parents, they surrendered that authority and handed the world in bondage over to Satan. And that bondage, which is sin, informed our understanding of authority as well as how we preside over things in our care. And we often think that in order to to take care of something, in order to be in authority over something, we have to exert ourselves. We have to show who's in control. I'm the boss around here. You answer to me. You ever had a manager like that? Okay, well, you know, I understand. I understand your title. I understand hierarchy and everything. But, you know, you don't have to tell me every time, I'm the boss. I I know you're the boss. You get paid more than I do. You know? But we run into those those people that think that they have to exert their, their will and their authority. But that's not how God designed authority, that's not what he even wanted it to look like. And Jesus demonstrated a completely different kind of authority when he was on earth with his disciples. In John chapter 13, on the night before Jesus was betrayed and, and, and led into to be executed, John writes that Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. And skip down to verse 12. After washing their feet, he put his robe on again and he sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash others' feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Several years ago, whenever I was a school teacher, I I was talking to to Brian and Shawnee yesterday, and it's like, you've done a lot of things in your life. I have. And a lot of it was out of desperation, just needing a paycheck. And one of those times... 
I got hired to be the English teacher for the high school at, at this Christian school. And, and you just look at Danelle, you can tell. Me, me teaching your kids English, that, that, you can decide what you want from that. But I, I was the English teacher. And, and one of the things that I found about, about at least this Christian school, I won't, I won't lump all the Christian schools in there, but there's a lot of, a lot of people who think that if, if my kid is, is, is acting up, he's, he's acting out, if I, if I take them to a Christian school and, and give them a Christian influence, they'll turn them around. I got news. This particular school, we had kids that got kicked out of public school. They couldn't go anywhere else. Their parents were paying for them to go there. And it was rough. There were, I remember one time that I was in class and this kid, it, was, it, was a, it really wasn't a veiled threat. And he, he just made a comment. He said, what would you do, Mr. Knox, if I walked up and just hit you in the face? And I, I, I didn't really think. I said... All I can say is, buddy, you better hit me really hard. <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, but it, it, was, it, it was a rough environment. And, I, 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 you, know, and you think, like, why, why do you let these things go on? And, you know, the administrator, you know, we'd take, send a kid to the, to the office because they acted out. And they'd come right back in smiling like, oh, yeah, I've got to deal with me all day. And uh, so, um, so I mean, we're, we're having issues. I mean, serious disciplinary issues. Well, we had a guest speaker one day for chapel. And we had chapel every day, too, which was really ridiculous. But, um, you know, it, even with chapel, it didn't seem to make any difference. And so uh, one day in, in chapel, we had this guy. He, he, was, he was actually a visiting speaker, and he was, he was visiting the church. And uh, he, he, he said something in, in chapel, and we were all kind of looking at him like, that, that's interesting. And so um, our, our administrator arranged for a meeting with this guy. And so we're, we're meeting during lunch. He was working lunch. And... Uh, and, and he's, he was talking about some things, and he just kind of went on a tangent. And he said, I understand there's a lot of disciplinary issues here at this school. And he said, if, if, if you'll let me, I'll tell you the best way to address those issues. Wow, we're all ears. You know, I think all the teachers were dealing with the same thing I was dealing with. You know, how, how do we deal with these kids that, you know, they... they all these threats and you know and there were there were fist fights in the hallway i mean just bad stuff it's like what are we doing here and he said and and i and i thought it was ridiculous he said if you want to to discipline these these kids and to see them change serve them i looked at that that guy and I was like are you crazy and I, I think I'm, I might have even said that because there were a few people that, that, that spoke up when he said it and was like, you're, you're out of your mind. And he continued, you need to serve these kids. I mean, I understand, you know, you're to your teachers and you're, you're, you've got your, your job to do and everything, but if you, if you serve these kids in the way that Jesus served the people that he ministered to, you will change their life. 
and I, I was I was kind of defiant. It was like, I, I, you haven't been threatened in the classroom. And I talked to him a little little while, and, and so I made it a point. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna serve these kids. And I'm here to tell you that I saw attitudes change. Now, sometimes my attitude wasn't right, and I had had to be willing to say, "Will you forgive me?" But. I'm here to tell you, I saw the change. And it happened because I was willing to serve. Now, that's not, that's not to mean that I made myself a, a doormat. That's not to say that, that I, I, I just laid down and let them do whatever they wanted to do in the classroom. But I served them as students, and I saw the change. Now, what would, it, would happen in our homes, in our families, if we actually served each other? What could we do to serve one another in our home? Husbands, wives, children, parents. That, that's a good. That's that's a good one. Do you do you cook? Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, but we we do what we can, right? So I, I, I just want to throw that out there this morning. What would it, would it look like in your home if you decided, I'm going to serve my spouse. I'm going to serve my kids. I'm going to, I'm going to serve my parents. I'm going to love them the way that Jesus loves me. Happy, blessed homes understand that a lifestyle of kindness is best expressed by acts of service. Jesus knew His purpose when He was here on earth. And when He was talking about why He came, He said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. Just something to think about. And there's one more aspect of kindness that I want us to talk about before we go. Now, you might be like me in your, your, your thinking, and, I, and I, I, I really do think like this. The preacher's talking about kindness. What does kindness look like? What does it look like? And I have pictures here of, you know, like flowers and stuff. Is that, is, is that being kind? You know? The people who did the research on the, the effects of kindness that I mentioned earlier actually had some interesting tips for expressing kindness to others. And I kind of mentioned this earlier. And it's not really as complicated as we think. It can start with a smile. Have you noticed that if you smile at somebody, nine times out of ten, they'll smile back at you. Say hello to somebody. Now, and you may have noticed this, I, I used to work in Houston, and, and I, I, it, was, it was a phenomenon. I've, I've always looked people in the face. 
I grew up in a small town, and, and I think I may have told you whenever I went off to Bible college as, as a 19-year-old freshman, the campus was divided in, in, in two big sections, and there was two sidewalks that, that went between the two, the, the two ends of campus. And so one went one direction like a highway, and the other came back. Well, I used to go down the, the sidewalk as, as a 19-year-old straight out of the sticks, and I sounded like I came out of the sticks, and I would, I would greet everybody with, Hi, how are you? <laughs> Well, this is in, in Missouri, and there were a lot of kids who came in from Michigan and Ohio and different states like that, you know, and, and also in Missouri and around. And I, I'm not kidding. Walking down the sidewalk, and I, and I would try to speak to everybody. And, and there were people who actually had to step out because they were, they were trying to see the guy that just walked by and greeted them in such a, a hickey-sounding greeting. But I, I spoke to everybody, and, I, and I've noticed since then, you know, when I worked in Houston, that, that people don't make eye contact because they're, they're, they're afraid that someone might be trying to take advantage of them. Have you noticed that? And, you know, and, and we, we kind of do it too. We kind of learn it like, yeah, we don't, don't make eye contact, you know, whatever. But wouldn't it be nice if you're in a place where you don't know anybody and somebody just actually speaks to you and says, hello. Just a simple act of kindness. Another thing, if we, if we actually notice and acknowledge people, you know, we, we watch the video and, then, and there are people that are thinking about all these kinds of things. In our, in our country, loneliness is a real problem. There are people that, that go an entire day with no one to talk to. And wouldn't it be nice if you were the person who just acknowledged their presence whenever you see them? Just a simple thing. You don't have to invite them home for dinner. Just acknowledge them. Say hello. Smile. And another thing is to listen to people. I was told when I was in high school that if you want to have a lot of friends, be willing to listen. And I have been really surprised through the years because, you know, and I guess it's a good thing I became a pastor because I'd go visit somebody in the hospital and go to, go to, to see them there. They've been there for a while and, and stay two, three hours and, you know, well, man, I, I was on staff at another church and there, there were all these pastors and, and they would go and they, their, their hospital visits lasted like maybe 25 minutes. And, and then they, they, they found out that you know, the, the, the people that we'd go see, they really enjoyed my visit because I, I really didn't act like I was in a hurry. And, you know, and, and it, but listening to people is really important. You might find out things about people that you never could have imagined just by just listening to what they have to say. But I want to ask you this this morning, and this is really my point. Have you ever thought of kindness as worship? Being kind is an act of worship that the Lord is pleased with whether it's a smile, 
saying hello, listening to someone, noticing someone. Romans chapter 12 is, is a, a, it's a chapter that I, I refer to a lot. And, and, and verse 1 is, is, is the big one. And I, I've, I've probably quoted this maybe a hundred times since I've been here. But it, it's, I'm reading it out of the message, and it sounds like this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Well, they're, they're, they're getting after it back there, aren't they? <laughs> Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. And unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Happy, blessed homes recognize that a lifestyle of, of kindness is a form of worship. Now listen to how Jesus described his worship to his disciples. And this is also out of the, the message. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. God is sheer God is sheer being itself spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits and their true selves in adoration. So, I want to encourage you this morning to smile. I want to encourage you to say hello. I want to encourage you to listen and just notice people. Okay? Can we all stand?